T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome to KCBS In-Depth, a discussion of one of the topics making news this week. This is KCBS In-Depth. It started with scattered reports of a mysterious lung illness and grew to become a national health scare. Now, with the numbers of vaping-related deaths creeping up each week, Governor Gavin Newsom is stepping in with an executive order to place stiffer restrictions on e-cigarette products. But even as Newsom and other government officials search for a way to respond, we're still left with more questions than answers about the source of this disease. So, at this point, it's still fair to ask, do we even really understand the enemy that we're fighting yet? I'm Keith Manconi, this is KCBS In-Depth, and today on the program, we're going to be hearing from a pair of Bay Area health experts to try to get a better handle on what threats vaping might pose and what could be done about it. First up in studio, I'm joined by Dr. Sarah Cody. She is the director of Santa Clara County's Public Health Department and a county health officer. Dr. Cody, thanks so much for being here. Glad to be here. And by phone, we have today Dr. Stanton Glantz. He is a professor of medicine uh, and the Truth Initiative Distinguished Professor of Tobacco Control at UC San Francisco. He's also an authority on e-cigarettes. Dr. Glantz, thanks for joining us as well. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So e-cigarettes for us, uh, especially at KCBS, was kind of the story of 2018. We covered it extensively. Of course, this is a product that it was hoped at one point would help limit uh, the effects of the most harmful impacts of uh, nicotine addiction. But it became a source of concern when vape usage began to skyrocket among high school and middle school students. Uh, Now, the new concern is this mysterious illness that's already sickened hundreds of people across the country, killed about a half dozen people, including at least two here in California. Uh, And health officials are still in the very early stages of piecing together exactly what is going on here. So just to make sure that everybody is on the same page as us, everybody is up to speed, I want to toss things over to Dr. Glantz. Tell me a little bit about this disease. What are the symptoms? What does it look like? Well, first of all, it's not even clear that it's one disease. Uh, I was at a meeting uh, with some people from the CDC uh, recently, and, uh, you know, people are really scrambling to just figure out what's going on. Uh, It is a serious lung disease, which, as you said, has resulted in some deaths. But whether each of the people uh, has the same biological disease isn't totally isn't understood yet. Many of the cases resemble what's called lipoid pneumonia. That's when uh, you basically get a bunch of uh, fat accumulating in your in your uh, air sacs that makes it very, very hard to breathe, or uh, and in some cases is fatal. But um, there may be other things going on, too. Um, so the, the symptoms would largely be people having shortness of breath or other breathing-related troubles? Well, the symptoms people have presented with are shortness of breath and breathing problems, sometimes fever, uh, and uh, feel it, just feeling out of sorts. 
and uh, you know the CDC and the FDA are have set up a system uh, to try to get uh, uh, clinicians to start systematically reporting the symptoms that people have and, and trying to get the devices that the people were using so they can start testing them. And that process is moving forward now. I mean, what, what, what happened in this case is often happens in disease outbreaks is they happen to have a cluster of cases, I believe it was in Wisconsin, that were enough of them that, and it was odd enough that people noticed. And now what, what the authorities are doing is they've sent warnings out to the medical community to be on the lookout for this. And they're also going back through earlier records, seeing if they can find uh, more cases and then getting as much information as they can about them. But that's what we know right now. So briefly, Dr. Glantz, uh, before we get into more of the public health response to all of this, you, you, again, put out there a lot of question marks, a lot of what we know and what we don't know. It seems like there is still quite a bit that we don't know, but what are the possibilities right now in terms of what could be causing this? A lot of people are talking about uh, black market vape products. A lot of people are talking about doctored vape products. What are the sort of possibilities that are looking most probable to you? Well, I know that's what people are talking about, but the, the first thing that people need to understand is there are no e-cigarettes in America which are being legally marketed. Uh, to be legally marketed in the United States, uh, e-cigarettes would have to go through a process of review by the FDA and certification that marketing of those products is, quote, appropriate for the public health, which is the standard in the law. Not a single e-cigarette company has put in an application to be reviewed by the FDA. And I think one of the reasons we have this problem is that the FDA simply hasn't demanded that the e-cigarette companies follow the law. So I, I think it's uh, not warranted to somehow say, well, these are somehow defective or bad e-cigarettes. There is some information from some animal studies which have shown that the propylene glycol and vegetable glycerin, which are the main carriers that are used in e-cigarettes in the e-liquid, are reacting with something in your lungs, in your air sacs, called surfactant, which is sort of like a detergent that helps keep the lung cells open. And that's what's creating these uh, tiny little lipid particles that are creating the problems. And those kinds of things have been reported in some of the case studies that have been published in the medical literature. But precisely what's going on, we don't know. Mm. I want to bring things back into studio for just a second. Uh, put the same question to uh, Dr. Sarah Cody, who, once again, is Santa Clara County's Public Health Department Director. Tell us, in your view, would you add anything to that in terms of the possible causes of some of these diseases that we're seeing? What, what are the health officials that you are aware of? What sort of potential causes are they considering? Well, I just want to highlight the fact that we don't really know what's in e-cigarettes and what may be in one e-cigarette may not be in another e-cigarette. Yeah, we just uh, kept, 
We right. just carried a story about that yesterday. They, uh, a, a review turned up some chemicals in there that we weren't aware of was in there. It, it's, it's incredible that you need a study to find out what's in these things. Right. We don't really know what's in them. What we, what we do know is that they're nicotine delivery devices and that an entire generation of kids is getting uh, exposed and addicted to nicotine. Um, but we don't really know. We, we haven't we haven't um, completely described what the short and long-term harms are. We don't certainly don't know of any short and long-term benefits, um, and we're just beginning to learn about the short and long-term harms. And I think that this recent outbreak of uh, severe pulmonary injury uh, highlights uh, what we don't know, and I think we shouldn't be surprised that there was uh, uh, this outbreak. Mm. All right, so all of that just to kind of set the table for our listeners uh, for this conversation as we proceed. I do want to remind anybody or inform anybody who might just be joining us that you are listening to KCBS In-Depth, our weekly deep dive into the events and trends shaping the news we report on each and every day here on KCBS. Today we're hearing from public health experts as the death toll from vaping-related lung diseases continue to climb around the country. Joining me in studio once again is Dr. Sarah Cody. She is the director of Santa Clara County's Public Health Department. And on the phone, we're joined by Dr. Stanton Glantz. He is the Truth Initiative Distinguished Professor of Tobacco Control at UC San Francisco. I want to turn back to the public health response to this because there has been quite a bit of response, especially here in California this past week. Earlier, of course, we heard from the Trump administration promising to work on a ban uh, to flavored e-cigarettes. We heard about that earlier, but more recently, we heard from our own governor here in California, Governor Gavin Newsom, who announced an executive order to curb youth vaping, among other priorities that he's setting. He also wants to increase the outreach to teens. He's discussing increased taxes for some vape products, uh, as well as counters to the illicit products and sales uh, of, of products on the black market. So uh, a number of different measures that he's considering, it sounds like he's still working out the details of exactly how these things might be enacted. Uh, that was the big news of Monday this past week, so we've had some time to d- digest all that. And I did want to reach out to somebody uh, sympathetic to the vaping view of the world. Uh, so I spoke with Gregory Connolly. He's the president of the American Vaping Association. It's a nonprofit advocacy group for vaping products. Uh, to get his take on what all of these different measures coming from Sacramento might mean. He said that he liked some of what he heard from Governor Newsom, especially the call to step up outreach and education for young people. There should be, if we're going to have taxes on vaping products in the state of California, some of that money should be going to prevention and education of youth. But there were also things that he did not like. However, when it comes to other things that Governor Newsom endorsed in that speech, raising taxes on vaping products when there are still several million smokers throughout the state of California doesn't really make sense. Now, we should note Governor Newsom did not, as other states have, call for a ban to flavored vape products, but he said he that he does favor one and may push for one through legislative means. Connolly hopes the governor will reconsider. Flavors are critical to helping adult smokers quit. They should not be used by youth. They're not intended for youth. And experimentation by youth should be discouraged, just like it is with alcohol, cigarettes, or marijuana. But prohibition has never worked in this country, and it will fail for flavored vaping products throughout the state of California as more cities and counties, as well as the state, look at, looks at that option. It's not going to work. 
And that, once again, is Gregory Connolly, the president of the American Vaping Association. Uh, Dr. Stanton Glantz, I want to turn things back to you. What did you make of the governor's announcement on Monday? I was very disappointed in what the governor said because um, there was, a, when you really look at it carefully, there was a lot less than meets the eye. First of all, the state of California already has an exceptionally well-done public education campaign about e-cigarettes run by the California Department of Health Services. Uh, it, it, it's a, in addition to their broadcast materials, they have a wonderful website, flavorsforkids.org, uh, that people can look at. And I'm worried that the governor is going to mess up what, they're, what, the, what the state's been doing so well for the last two or three years. Mm. Secondly... Uh, while the governor is correct that uh, unlike some of the states uh, in the eastern part of the country, uh, a California law does not give him the authority to issue an emergency order and suspend the sale of flavored uh, e-cigarettes, which is something that, for example, Michigan has done. But um, there is a bill in the state legislature uh, from Senator Hill that was basically copy San Francisco's comprehensive ban on the sale of all flavored tobacco products, not just e-cigarettes, but also the flavored little cigars that the poor kids are smoking and that would apply everywhere. And the tobacco interests managed to get a poison pill injected into that uh, bill in the Senate Appropriations Committee. And so Senator Hill pulled the bill. Um, I would have been happier had the governor simply said, I'm endorsing uh, Senator Hill's original comprehensive flavor law and uh, want that passed rather than this uh, uh, bill that got ruined in this, by the state Senate uh, leadership in response to lobbying from behind the scenes. So, you know, I think um, it's, it's good that he's interested uh, but I think that the um, the public statement he made was more theater than reality. I want to bring things back in the studio now to uh, Dr. Okay. Sarah Cody, once again, the uh, director of Santa Clara County's Public Health Department. Uh, so we've so far been talking about the response at the state level, the federal level, but obviously that's not where a lot of people's uh, health experience happens. A lot of stuff happens at the local level as well. So for you, when you hear about these uh, national health scares such as this, mysterious lung illness, what does that mean for a local health officer? What kind of response do we see at the county level? Well, our, our job is to protect and promote the health. So when we have a new event, you know, some illness that we haven't seen before, we're the on-the-ground investigators. And what's interesting about this particular illness is we're really accustomed to investigating infectious diseases. Most, lo most local health departments have a great infrastructure for investigating infectious diseases, um, but we don't have the same infrastructure to investigate non-infectious diseases. So when this comes up, um, we quickly have to scramble and consult with our colleagues and put together a team that combines our sort of disease investigator knowledge from the communicable disease people with the subject matter expertise in tobacco products and mm. um, put together a team. Um, so that's sort of what it looks like on the ground, um, which is 
and then, of course, the other piece of, of what we do is working on local policies and ordinances to try to prevent exposure uh, to our population in the first place from these products, uh, which is a pretty heavy lift. The other thing is that it is the local work at the local level which has led to all the progress on e-cigarettes. I yes, mean, it is. It was the San Francisco flavor ban that got things moving. Other counties and cities are following it. And if you go back into the 80s and 90s with the development of the whole smoke-free environment thing, that all happened at the local level. So I really, I'm, I really think you know it, that's where this problem is going to be solved. Is the kind of things you just heard about. That's that's right. And and uh, you know I'm very proud that Santa Clara County was was right out front with the strictest tobacco ordinances, and we were the first county to put a Tobacco 21. Um, ordinance into place, which was quickly followed by the state. Our challenge in the county is that our ordinances um, apply only to the unincorporated parts of the county. And so then we need to go work with each of the 15 cities to get them to adopt city ordinances that mirror our county ordinances. Um, and so while we have uh, very strict uh, tobacco ordinances in the county. Not all of the cities have the same uh, have the same one. I, I also would just want to say that we recently did a survey of middle school and high school students and really learned quite a bit about what this looks like on the ground. And one of the things that we learned, in addition to the fact that one in three high schoolers have uh, tried an e-cigarette and 13% are current users, is that the majority of tobacco users use a flavored product. Um, so that's really important to note. The flavor is what uh, draws uh, people, and particularly kids, into using e-cigarettes, and, and we have that documented uh, locally. Well, that raises the point that we heard from Gregory Connolly earlier with the uh, American Vaping Association. He's making the argument that, in his view, uh, vaping is a harm reduction tool for adults who have been smoking cigarettes their whole life. They want to smart smoke something less harmful, and having a flavored choice of e-cigarette is more enticing. It makes that transition easier for them. There is a reason why fruit and sweet flavors, as well as mint, are the most popular flavors among not just adults, but especially among adult ex-smokers who have switched to vaping. There's a reason why studies have shown that adults who are using tobacco flavors are much more likely to still be smoking than those using a pleasant flavor like a fruit or sweet that you can't get from a cigarette. And so for him, in his view, it, it, it makes it something of a more powerful harm reduction tool to have those flavors available. And if you take those flavors away, it makes it a less powerful tool. It sounds, uh, Dr. Cody, like you, you may not agree with all of that argument. Well, I would say that e flavored e-cigarettes have been a very harmful tool in a way to get a whole generation of kids addicted to nicotine. Um, there are other FDA-approved cessation uh, modalities for, for smokers who are trying to quit. Mm. And uh, Dr. Glantz, would you agree with that? Yes. I mean, the claim, just to amplify what, 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 what you just heard, because I agree with every single word of it, um, this claim that e-cigarettes are a way for adults to quit smoking is some, a claim that's widely made. But we and others have studied that. And while it's true that some people have successfully quit smoking with e-cigarettes, 
if you look at the population of all smokers who use e-cigarettes, on average, using an e-cigarette reduces the likelihood a person will quit smoking. So rather than being a way off of cigarettes, they keep people on cigarettes. And, you know, I agree with the earlier statement that we have medications and counseling that's done properly works very well, and that's what people should do rather than taking these products uh, which are being marketed illegally according to federal law and where you don't know what's in them. And we know that they're causing heart disease, lung disease, and now these acute lung problems. And people should just not use these things. Moreover, where there's a lot of evidence supporting what was found locally in Santa Clara, there are also national studies showing that the, the vast majority of, of e-cigarettes consumed by kids are flavored. Uh, the liter- there's very, very little objective evidence to support the claim that you need unicorn barf e-cigarettes. Uh, in order to help adult smokers quit. And I kid you not, <laughs> when I heard about unicorn barf e-cigarettes, I thought it was a joke, but go look on the Internet. It's a thing, and, like, middle school kids are really into unicorn barf. Well, and I doubt that that would attract too many 50-year-old smokers. It's a proud day on uh, KCBS's airwaves where the term unicorn barf gets used uh, so frequently. So, Well, you know, if, if, you, if you were interviewing some 12-year-olds, they could have a very detailed technical I'm sure they could. I'm sure they could. Uh, before we proceed, I just want to make sure that anybody who's joining us right now knows that uh, you're listening to KCBS In-Depth. Uh, today, we are hearing from public health experts and talking about the science of vaping as this mysterious vaping-related illness continues to claim lives around the country. Joining me once again in studio is Dr. Cody with Santa Clara County's Public Health Department. And by phone, we have Dr. Stanton Glantz. He is a, a professor of medicine, and uh, he's the Truth Initiative Distinguished Professor of Tobacco Control at UC San Francisco. Dr. Glantz, actually, no, uh, Dr. Cody, so the message from the FDA has been put a pause on vape use right now until we understand what's going on. That's the message that I've gotten, at least from them. Uh, is, is that the message that you would want to send out to the public? Is, is, is it now appropriate to just say, take a pause until we understand what's happening? Don't use this product. Absolutely. As I mentioned before, we don't see any health benefits from e-cigarettes, and we have documented quite... Sorry, excuse me. It was the CDC, not the FDA. Uh, yes, correct. Um, so I, I think... You know, when we're in investigating any kind of uh, any kind of illness outbreak, uh, we always err on the side of caution and say, you know, advise you not to use this product, whatever it may be, until we've completed completed the investigation. This is, um, of course, a little bit different because we have more information about the harms of e-cigarettes. Uh, it's not just these uh, this current outbreak, although it has helped attract attention. I think that um, it may be particularly helpful in educating middle school and high school kids who widely perceive e-cigarettes as safe, and it's really just water vapor, you know, with a little bit of unicorn barf flavoring to it. Um, and, And I can tell you as a parent of teenagers that that is the broad perception uh, in this cohort is that, well, they're not that harmful um, and they're pretty cool anyway. So this outbreak actually helps us um, drive the message home uh, that they are harmful and they're not good for you. 
And so what are you telling? You, you, you said that you have teenagers? Yes. What are you telling your teenagers? And maybe this is a good place to wrap up the conversation. I'm sure a lot of parents are trying to have this conversation with their kids right now. And uh, it can be a, a difficult conversation, I imagine, especially given the prevalence of e-cigarettes in a lot of these classrooms. For a lot of these kids, these are status symbols. These are something that shows off, uh, you know, that they're, they're part of the in crowd. So what, what role can parents play in shaping children's and teenagers' understanding of this product? Well, first, I, I want to say that it needs to be a message that comes from many, many different sources. So families, parents, peers, siblings, teachers, anyone in a child's community um, who are who are giving us a, a, a similar message, mm-hmm. um, because I, I think the you know, and every 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 kid is different. But I think it's really important to understand that why why would you go pick up an addiction? You know, why? Why do you need? Why do you need to get addicted to something that doesn't do you any good? Um, and uh, and also, I don't know that this message um, particularly resonates. But they're being used by an industry. They're just being used as guinea pigs. I mean, what what teenager wants to be used by an adult? Not many. Mm. Well, Dr. Glantz, I want to give you the closing word here. If you could tell us a little bit where you think the investigation into these lung diseases related to vaping is going to go. We've talked at some length in this conversation about the role of uh, THC. We've talked at some length about the role of the other chemicals in the pods that might be found and perhaps even the mechanisms of the the, the vaping mechanism itself. What what does the evidence point you towards? Where do you think investigators are going to go? Well, I would be very surprised if THC ends up being the problem. Really? Uh, yes. I mean, we, I, I've, I've done a lot of research looking at cardiovascular effects of, of cigarettes, e-cigarettes, and marijuana, and neither the nicotine nor the THC is causing a lot of the adverse effects on the cardiovascular system. You know, I, I, I mean, that's why we have this. If we knew the answer to your question... The, you know, we wouldn't need the investigation. But my guess is that it's going to be one or more things that are endemic to most e-cigarettes, the propylene glycol and vegetable glycerin carriers. Maybe some of the flavorants are important because a lot of these flavorants, which are per- like butter flavor, cinnamon flavor, which are perfectly fine to eat, if you aerosolize them and inhale them, they really tear up your lungs. And mm. I, I think this uh, argument that this was somehow just a random bad batch of e-cigarettes or some uh, some illicit thing, or, it, 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 I just would be very surprised if that turns out to be the case. I think what we're seeing is a problem that's intrinsic to the product, and, uh, you know, it's... It, it, it's, I believe, been around for a while, based on the individual case reports and the literature. It was just there weren't enough of them for anybody to see it. And, you know, we'll just have to see. I mean, I do know a lot of the people who are working on this investigation. They're good people. They're working very hard. And as when we have a tainted batch of lettuce or something out there, I mean, they're going to figure it out. It's just going to take a while. All right, and that's a perfect place to end it. does still sound like... Very much an open-ended investigation, so it's something that we're going to continue to cover as it unfolds. But 
going to have to wrap up the program here today. Once again, I want to say goodbye and thank you to Dr. Sarah Cody. She is the director of Santa Clara County's Public Health Department. Dr. Cody, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. And by phone, one last time, we were joined by Dr. Stanton Glantz. He is the Truth Initiative Distinguished Professor of Tobacco Control at UC San Francisco, also a professor of medicine. Dr. Stanton Glantz, thank you as well. Well, thank you. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can find past episodes of KCBS In-Depth online at kcbsradio.com or on iTunes. For KCBS and In-Depth, I'm Keith Manconi. We'll see you next time. You've just heard KCBS In-Depth, a news interview program for all news 740 and FM 106.9 KCBS. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.